As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up? Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller here with you on Tuesday, November 9th. Just put behind us the craziest week of the NFL season to date. Week 9, looking ahead to Week 10 now. And as you all know, Tuesdays here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast are beat writer and mailbag days. So we start this off with a trio of beat writers checking in on their teams from a fantasy perspective. And let's just get that rolling right here. First up, Washington football team and our Washington football team beat writer, Ben Standig. Ben, what's going on, man? Thanks for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Hey, always appreciate the, the, the ask. Uh, I don't think there's been a ton of reasons to want to want to talk about Washington football from a fantasy perspective lately, but I appreciate the time. Hey, uh, you know, there. Uh, I guess there haven't been. I suppose that's true. And unfortunately, uh, the first thing I want to ask you about is a negative thing, a negative reason to talk about this team. That's Antonio Gibson and the injury that he's been dealing with for a, a while now. What can you tell us about the injury, how he's able to play through it, and any concerns about Washington ultimately deciding that they just need to shut him down and let this heal? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Um, I, I think that how... What what he looks like coming out of this bye, even just in practices, but certainly the game, I think will tell us a lot going forward because obviously he definitely was limited the the last month uh, or, or or so. He only had 11 touches in the loss at Denver. And look, he is one of the more explosive running backs in the league. One of those guys that you legitimately can take it, you know, make a big player take it to the house whenever he touches the ball. And but we haven't seen as much of that explosiveness. Lately, because he's been dealing with this shin injury, uh, stress fracture in his shin that, that that's limited him in practice, in games. They actually gave Jared Patterson more carries last week, which, you know, Jared Patterson did fine. But, you know, you're not expecting that from the undrafted uh, uh, free agent. Um, I, I do wonder, especially, you know, if they, they play Tampa Bay this week, if they lose, they go to two and seven. If at some point do they start thinking, okay, we need to heal this guy up as best we can. So... I am concerned a bit, but at the same time, you know, if he's playing, depending on your options, you know, he's one of those guys that can obviously make a big play and he is their goal line back. So, you know, I, I would I would probably keep using him, but tread lightly or at least keep keep you know, keep an eye on what's going on in Washington. 
in a world where they do decide we just need this season's over, we need him healthy for next year, we're shutting him down. What does a JD McKissick, Jared Patterson backfield look like? Yeah, I mean, look, McKissick was obviously really effective last year, catching a ton of passes. Um, you know, and, and and you know he's he's uh, he's a slitherer. He's got speed. Um, you know, he he's not a run between the tackles kind of a guy. You know, obviously more of your your passing down back. But you know, he can be effective, right? I mean, and, and Patterson, you know, he is the smallest guy out there. But we all, you know, if you if you've paid attention to him in college, you you know he's very effective. And he's shown that ability so far here in the pros. And Washington's offensive line has been one of the big surprises for the team this year in a positive way. And, you know, one of the better units in the league. Um, they did just lose center Chase Rie, though, to a season-ending injury. So that's going to shake things up a bit further. It's possible they get back Brandon Scherf and uh, Sam Cosme. They're two starters on the right side this week. We'll have to see about that. They've been out for the last several weeks, which is also uh, – to a degree, you know, impacted Gibson situation, um, though their backups have done largely okay. So, you know, I, I think there's still some hope there, but, you know, you're talking about more pedestrian type, I hope, not, you know, a guy breaking a, a, a 40 yarder like the way Gibson can, but, you know, incremental yardage. And although with McKissick in a PPR league, I think he could be a, a potential starter some weeks for sure. We've been uh, going the last month or so, maybe a little bit more now. I guess more if you include the bye without Logan Thomas. Uh, all signs point to him returning this week. Any reason to think he's not out there for the team this weekend? Well, uh, we'll see that he didn't. He so they. I'm air quoting here. They practiced on Monday, but because off the bye, but not a real practice, mm -hmm. and they don't have to announce whether they would have him truly start practicing coming off IR until Wednesday. Ron Rivera told us yesterday they're going to, they wanted Monday to test that hamstring to see where he's at. And if he feels okay for Wednesday, then he'll probably start practicing. The clock would start ticking to bring him off IR. And then, yeah, there's a chance he could be able to go this week. But, you know, like, like with all these things, you, you, you got to tread lightly with some of these injuries. He's obviously a very important player to them. Um, so you would like to think there's a good shot. He, he can come back, but Wednesday we'll have a real we'll have a real feel. So you know, check the injury reports. If he's if he's back practicing, I would feel pretty decent he plays this week. But you know, with with these injuries, you know, you never know for sure. Uh, we've seen about half a season now of Taylor Heineke as this team starter, and you know, still unsure as to what and when the situation could be with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, with what you've seen, just up close, going even going back to last season, right? I mean, Taylor Heineke made the uh, waves against Tampa in the playoffs, and now he gets to play Tampa here in Week Ten. But just you know, with what you've seen this year, I mean, how would you grade Taylor Heineke, the starting quarterback? So it depends how you want to look at it. If you view it from a perspective of Here's this guy that nobody knew about prior to that, you know, Tampa Bay playoff game last year. Um, who, who that was only his, uh, what second career start? He comes in, you know, has to come in and relieve Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you know, Washington's two wins this year are largely because Taylor Heineke was played played the role of hero at the end of two games uh, with, with two, you know, thrilling uh, late game rallies to to win. Um, that said, if you view it on the scale of, well, he is an NFL quarterback and he has to get the job done, you know, Washington's offense has faded a bit over the last month. Now, it's coincided with a bunch of these injuries, some of which I just mentioned. They haven't had Curtis Samuel effectively all year. Um, and the red zone has been kind of a mess. Really, anything inside the 30, they've been moving. They move the ball really well against Green Bay and Denver to the point that almost all of their possessions 
at some point, plays were run inside opposing territory, but every time they would get into the red zone, they just failed. They went 0 for 6 in those opportunities, whether that was missed kicks, uh, whether that was turnovers, loss of down, whatever. They weren't punching it in. So, you know, I, I think Heineke on a, on a realistic scale has, didn't, has done pretty well. But in terms of like, okay, well, this isn't a feel-good story. What, how is he going to make my fantasy team better or Washington better? It's starting to, you know, it, it's starting to look like what you expect when, when you have the backup quarterback play a lot, diminishing returns over time as other teams start to get a feel for what he is. He does get yards on the ground uh, with his legs, so that's a positive. Um, but you know, it, it's starting to it's starting to go the way you kind of think it might go when you have a backup in there. Again, if he gets some other starters back, that should help. But mm-hmm. at the same point, you know, we've kind of seen what the ceiling probably is for Taylor Heineke. It would have been nice to have seen this team as it was built in the offseason. Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, Gibson being healthy, Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel. It was a, it was a, an offense that we had reason to at least be a, a little bit excited about and just haven't really gotten to see them. I don't think we, we haven't seen them altogether, have we, right? Because Curtis Samuel was out at the start of the season and then Fitzpatrick hurt in week one. So uh, a bit of a letdown in that regard. Uh, do you think we see anything new, any new wrinkles to anticipate coming out of the bye? Well, um, it's a good question. I mean, I'm not anticipating Curtis Samuel back, so you know that that would be a huge, a huge one there. Uh, you know, R- Ron Rivera talked, so they've had issues on third down uh, to a degree this year. Ron Rivera talked yesterday about he he thinks that sometimes that well, they're they're getting some good yards on first, on first down, giving them a, a second and short, but then they're using that opportunity to try to make a big play down the field when that doesn't work. They're failing on third down. So uh, it's possible we could see, uh, if I say more, a little more conservative, I don't necessarily know if I mean that, but maybe a little more focus on keeping the chains moving rather than definitively picking up big chunks of yards, which realistically, other than Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, if he's healthy, they don't have a ton of game uh, game breakers, so to speak. So, you know, uh, beyond that, I'm not sure. Deami Brown was, was practicing yesterday. From what we could see, he'd missed some time recently with a knee injury. I mean, he's had a... A, a bit of a rough rookie season, but I think there's still some some hope there. He could be a guy that gets a little bit more involved if if he's available. So, um, you know, I, I think those are just I, they just need some basic things to get going. They just need some positive momentum. Obviously, this is not going to be an easy game against Tampa Bay. So, you know, it's it's I guess you could say it's either a throw the kitchen sink at kind of game, or it's a we just need to focus on the basics kind of game. And at least the hint on a Monday from Ron Rivera was focusing on the basics and just trying to keep the chains moving on offense. Yeah, what are your expectations for this matchup with the the Buccaneers? Obviously a very tough matchup on the defensive side of the ball, and this is a defense that has just not lived up to preseason expectations. So what do you go into this game expecting to see from uh, WFT? Oh, boy. Um, you know, it. The, you know, a lot of the issues for them have been on the, the defensive side. That's the side of the group that people got really excited about, and it just has not lived up to the, to the hype. But in terms of the offense, I mean, look, you know, Tampa Bay is really good on both sides of the ball, so I don't really have great expectations for these guys. Terry McLaurin, you know, obviously he's one of the better receivers in the league, but his numbers have been have been a bit weak in recent, uh, you know, in general in recent weeks, in part because they have, um, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling with their other spots. You know, no Logan Thomas, no Curtis Samuel, a limited Gibson defenses can focus more on on, on McLaurin. I think Heineke should be able to put up some some playable numbers in, like, say, two quarterback leagues, especially if, if he can run. Last weekend's Denver, he did do 
or two weeks ago against Denver, he did run a bit more, which was a good sign. But, you know, it's hard for me to get be realistic and think that they're going to be able to compete with Tampa Bay based on the, the version of these two teams we've seen this year. And definitely a tough uh, tough one coming for Washington, but uh, in the fantasy world, Terry McLaurin, no doubt about it. Antonio Gibson, as long as he's out there, no doubt about it. Fingers crossed that we get Logan Thomas back this week as well. That's Ben Standig, Washington football team beat reporter here at The Athletic. You can get him on Twitter, at Ben Standig. And also, Washington sports fans, you probably already know about it, but we'll throw it out there anyway. Standig room only, uh, Ben's podcast here at The Athletic. Be sure to check that out. Not just Washington football team, but all sorts of D.C. sports. Ben, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Hey, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, next up on this Beat Writer episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast is the New Orleans Saints. And to talk Saints, of course, we bring on our Saints Beat Writer, Kat Terrell. Kat, thanks for being with us here today. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into this team. Um, it's, uh, I guess, uh, a team that we knew was going to have a lot of moving parts coming into this season and maybe has even uh, escalated beyond what we thought was going to be the case when we started this year. And obviously things changed a whole lot for them uh, when Jameis Winston tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago. Trevor Simeon getting the first post-Jameis start. Salvaged the game uh, in the fourth quarter of that loss to the Falcons. Do you see any possibility of a Simeon Taysom Hill quarterback battle eventually brewing here? Actually, yes, and it's not because of anything Simeon did. It's just the fact that Sean Payton alluded to Taysom being the starter going forward after Winston got hurt that night. Um, if Taysom had been healthy, Taysom was in concussion protocol, so he didn't fully practice until Thursday of the week of the Falcons game. So it's possible the Saints had a plan all along to make Taysom the starting quarterback that couldn't happen because he was um, in concussion protocol. 
So if it's going to happen, it's going to be this week, and it'll have nothing to do with how Simeon played. I don't know that it really mattered who was quarterback against the Falcons because the receivers couldn't drop. I mean, could not catch any passes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this will be an interesting week to watch for that. Yeah, definitely, you know, no knock on Trevor Simeon, but in the fantasy world with what Taysom Hill does with his legs, he becomes a whole lot more interesting. The New Orleans Saints quarterback position becomes a whole lot more interesting to us if indeed it is Taysom taking over as the starter going forward. Let's look in the backfield for a second here. We basically know what Alvin Kamara is week in and week out, but uh, this team went out and brought back Mark Ingram via trade just before the trade deadline. He got six carries in his first game back with the team, nine carries in his second game, and five targets in that game against the Falcons as well. I mean, is that a repeatable weekly role for Mark Ingram? Absolutely. I think you look back a few years ago when they were boom and zoom and Kamara, I mean, uh, Ingram picked up quite a bit of yards that year. He's always been good in the passing game. I think that's been an asset of his. I'm actually really surprised they didn't just try to run Ingram (laughs) almost every play last week. The Falcons have a bad run defense. It was actually working and Ingram's about to take over as a franchise rushing leader, if you can believe that. Uh, So kind of surprised he didn't see more time. But I think that he will see time going forward, but Kamara is going to be the guy. I mean, there's not going to be any big change to his role. The only only thing Ingham really does is maybe he's good for a a couple of passes, maybe some short yardage carries. And that, if, if Taysom doesn't end up being the quarterback, Taysom could be the guy in the red zone on short yardage. So... That's going to kind of be a thing evolving week to week as well. Fun fantasy team. You never know what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we love it when, when they get inside the five-yard line. It's like, this could realistically be three different guys getting the ball. It's right. absolutely what we love in they the fantasy world. <laughs> Yeah, right. Let's just mix them all in. This is uh, this is great. This is super fun to project. Um, the uh, Obviously, Alvin Kamara, the center of this all. And it's just been, I mean, even for Kamara standards, just the usage has been off the charts this season. We're talking uh, more than 20 opportunities, more than 20 carries plus targets in all but one game. I mean, and even in some of those, he's just absolutely even blown that 20 number out of the water. Uh, again, is this just, I mean, should we just be expecting this from Alvin Kamara week in, week out, this level of usage? Uh, unfortunately for him, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it and how much he likes, you know, being able to use his legs at the end of the season. Yes, uh, I think you're just going to keep seeing it because the Saints just have no one else. I mean, it's Alvin Kamara uh, at the top and then every other skill position player way down. So they have to use them. They have to use them that much, even with Ingram, because there's just no one else reliable. I mean, Kamara and Ingram were the only ones out there catching passes against the Falcons. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have Kamara on one of my fantasy teams. So if, if that tells you anything, doesn't doesn't let anyone down week to week. So I think you're going to still see an abnormally high usage for his position going forward. It's been, it's just been, you know, sort of unexpected, I guess, in that we expected someone to be able to step up in the in the wake or in the, in the absence of Michael Thomas, and you know, there was a lot of love in the fantasy community for Marquez Callaway coming into the season. Obviously, that hasn't panned out. We've seen a big play here or there from Deontay Harris, but nothing consistent really there. I mean, I can remember back to uh, July and August when people were trying to get themselves excited about Adam Troutman as some sort of <laughs> low end tight end one, and obviously that hasn't happened. Should we, is there any reason to think over the second half of the season that any one of these non-Camara, non-Ingram pass catchers turns into anything consistent in the fantasy world? You know, I tried to talk people 
off of Troutman at the beginning of the season based on what I saw in training camp. I actually advocated picking up Juwan Johnson, and you know that didn't end up being something consistent. If you had him week one, I actually did have him on my roster week one, yeah. but I didn't start him. Uh, then you were at the half a percent of fantasy players that really had a great day. But, you know, Troutman has not been reliable. He's been a culprit of drop passes, too. I don't they, – they keep going to him. So, I, I don't know. Maybe by sheer volume, he'll do something um, good going forward. But I wouldn't trust him. Um, Juwan Johnson, same thing. I mean, he was inactive because they needed someone else in special teams. So, you can't rely on him. Not that, you know, most people would be in a position to have to do that. Uh, if that's the case, your fantasy tight ends are – are uh, really, uh, really hurting, I guess. But I think maybe, maybe out of all of them, uh, uh, Traquan Smith could end up stepping up. It's just, it's one of those things, again, it's very, he's very inconsistent. I think he's shown some progress after he's come back, but he did have a connection with James Winston, and now that's gone. So he's a guy, maybe if you have to, you, you roster and, you know, hope that you're starting to see some forward progress with him, but it's really him or Deontay and Deontay is not a guy that can play every snap, you know, just his size and everything like that. It's just not going to happen, but you know, he is the most consistent receiver the Saints have, but uh, yeah, I was on the Callaway hype train. I probably created the, the Callaway <laughs> hype train. So sorry about that. But um, for, I don't know why it, just, it hasn't, that hasn't panned out yet. Yeah, I suppose there's a reason other than him just being great that Alvin Kamara is getting those 20 opportunities every single week that we talked about. It's because it really is him and only him in this offense. They're going up against a pretty good offense in Week 10, even without Derrick Henry. Titans offense, nothing to sneeze at. And uh, the defense has been picking it up. Very impressive performance in their Week 9 win at the Rams. What are your early expectations for that matchup here? Well, I was looking at the weather of all things the other day, and it seems like it's one of those games where it's going to be cold. I don't know if it's going to be windy. Uh, the Saints struggled in Nashville about two years ago, and that was when they had Michael Thomas because of the conditions. I mean, at the you know, I believe it's grass field. And I say all this to say I would think that it'd be another game where they would heavily try to rely on the run game to try to counteract that. So lots of Kamara, lots of Ingram. Um, if – Hill is the quarterback, though. When Hill was the quarterback last time, Kamara's receptions went way down. So that's something to note. But, you know, other than that, I would just, you know, maybe if you have to pick up Ingram and, and kind of hope that the Saints are going to go in with some sort of game plan to get things moving on the ground. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that one of the pass catchers is suddenly mm -hmm. going to, you know, step up and have a monster game. I just, right now, it's hard to believe in any of them. Yeah, it's definitely a team that, as we've said a couple of times, it's Alvin Kamara and not a whole lot else. Maybe Mark Ingram steps up as something of a consistent yeah. fantasy performer, and Taysom Hill, if and when he is the starter because of what he does with his legs, gets right into that QB1 discussion, at least from a fantasy perspective. So we'll be very interesting to watch how things develop in New Orleans this week leading up to that Titans game. That's Kat Terrell, New Orleans Saints beat writer here at The Athletic. You can follow her on Twitter at Kat underscore Terrell. Kat, thanks again for being with us on the fantasy football pod anytime all right one more beat writer here with us on this episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast and it is vic tafer who covers the las vegas raiders for us at the athletic vic thanks for being with us on this beat writer edition of the athletic fantasy football podcast no problem man fired up big uh, big game this week 
Yeah, big, big game for the Raiders uh, going up against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. We'll get to that at the end of our little segment here. At the start, I want to kick things off with the interim head coach, Rich Bisaccia. We've now seen him for three games as the head man in Vegas. Uh, Have you noticed any appreciable changes uh, to this offense, the way things are being run, the way players are being used, anything that we could use as actionable in the fantasy world? Yeah, I think Greg Olson, you know, is taking over play calling. I think he's done a pretty good job. He's definitely trimmed down uh, John Green's playbook a little bit, focused on some things. He definitely uses play action a lot more often, definitely uses uh, screen plays more often. I think from a fantasy perspective, you definitely see him. Uh, Ken and Drake being used the way people thought he was going to be used at the beginning of the season. I think he's a guy who comes in now, who gets like, you know, 10, 12 targets a week, uh, 12 target touches a week. Uh, they use him also running the ball more than he had under Gruden. So I think he's a guy that's become a reliable uh, fantasy option uh, week in and week out. Yeah, it's something that we certainly have noticed over these last few weeks uh, with with Kenyon Drake. And, you know, considering the state of the running back position, even though that doesn't necessarily sound like a huge role or the usage doesn't necessarily jump off the page when you're just scrolling through box scores, it's uh, definitely one that makes him, you know, running back too flex worthy uh, if it's something that he can retain for the rest of the season. Is there any reason to think that he won't retain a role like that for the rest of the season? I don't think so. I think, uh, like I said, Olsen's really made a commitment to using him that way. He's come in. I mean, Josh Jacobs looked really good last weekend. Like, it's the best he's looked, uh, I think, this year in terms of health-wise and, you know, and kind of bouncing in and out of, of, of running plays. But I think they're definitely going to give um, Drake a regular role. I think that Jacobs is number one, but Drake will definitely get enough touches both on the ground and also uh, targets that he'll definitely be a guy they count on. Other and he's shown he's played well. And so I think they definitely want to keep, keep that going the rest of the year. Um, all right, Deshaun Jackson, another new guy in town for the Raiders, uh, just making the signing here. Uh, how does he affect this wide receiver group, both in terms of what his role will be and the trickle-down effect from adding him? What does that mean for the other guys on the uh, wide receiver depth chart? Yeah, it's yet to be determined because uh, he's going to be 35 next month. He just was released by the Rams, so they're not really sure what exactly he has in that tag. But they're excited about what they saw on film as far as the ability to stretch the field. Uh, that speed is still there. He's still healthy at this point of the season. And I think that, you know, this move happened right after the game on Sunday. So clearly they weren't happy with the job that Zay Jones did in terms of stretching the field. And I think Zay will still be involved in not giving up on Zay Jones. So those guys might share that, that role replacing Henry Ruggs at first. And we'll wait and see how Deshaun Jackson does. But just that they need that, you know, that ability to make some deep plays to keep defenses honest. And I think Deshaun Jackson will get a chance to do that. Uh, pretty soon here, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we know obviously that Darren Waller is the number one receiver uh, in Vegas. He's just that brand of tight end. He's one of a, a special group of tight ends who who filled that role on their respective teams. And you know, Derek Carr has been you know, a surprisingly efficient fantasy option this season. Not a guy who you're going to lean in, lean on week in and week out, but definitely someone who has had enough juice to at least be in that fringe starter discussion in most weeks. So. How do they fill that in around him at the wide receiver position? If it can't all be Darren Waller, is there anyone else who can be something of a consistent option in this offense the rest of the way? Yeah, I think Hunter Renfro has been pretty reliable, pretty consistent. I think, um, I don't know if it's like 50 yards a week, and he scores every now and then. But he's a guy that Derek Carr definitely trusts, especially on third down. So you might see him get a little more uh, action going forward. But um, And then you know, the wild card is Brian Edwards. Edwards is a guy who's had some big weeks, and some weeks he, you know, he hasn't really shown up. And, and last week, there was two plays that they kind of got some chances down the field. A pretty good 
chunk plays and they didn't happen and Derek Carr was clearly frustrated with Edwards and at least one of them. So I think that's a guy, they like his ability, they like his progress, he's still very young, but he's kind of a wild card as far as the fantasy goes. He might have a big week and he might not, so they're going to be kind of a roll of the dice going, going forward. We just talked about Carr being that sort of fringy guy. Obviously, things did not come through for him in a spot against the Giants last week. It's not the easiest spot. You know, the Giants are you know, not quite a doormat, obviously not really a playoff contender. But the defense has been good, especially uh, through the air over the last month or so. It's a road game. Everything that the Raiders have been uh, dealing with the last few weeks, Not, of course, not the easiest spot. But was there anything that you saw from Derek Carr that you didn't like? Was this a one-game anomaly? What did you see when you were at this one? Yeah, the biggest thing I saw was he, you know, he, he wasn't accurate. I think he, he missed a lot of throws. Uh, the interceptions were both bad decisions. and uh, So I just think that you look at his season so far, and it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of a, a hiccup. I mean, he's been really accurate all season long until last week. So these guys didn't want to use, you know, the tragedy and all the things that happened as an excuse. And no, no one said that was, you know, they all said that was just a football game and they were able to block out everything else. But I think for Derek Carr... And, you know, I don't want to give him a pass, but I think he's probably, as the leader of this team, I can imagine he probably talked to everybody in the roster last week. There's probably a lot going on on his plate uh, last week, so maybe uh, that's the reason he wasn't totally as, as good as he has been in the past. I don't know. You mentioned the Giants' defense is actually not bad, and the, the Rangers' line has some problems with protection. But I, th- I expect Derek Carr to bounce back. I expect Derek Carr to be the guy he was, you know, the first, uh, <clears throat> the first seven weeks, the first seven games as opposed to the one he was last weekend. Monster game coming up this week for the Raiders. Home game against the Chiefs. Sunday night football. Big game in the AFC West. Could potentially be a big game in the AFC wildcard race with how this uh, conference is just really stacking up one on top of the other. We know that uh, these teams have given us some really good games in recent seasons. What are your early expectations uh, for when these two teams get together on Sunday? Yeah, it's a big spot for the Raiders. I think um, you know the Chiefs are still reeling. Everyone's kind of waiting for them to bounce back all year long. I think um, the game last week was again really glaring. I mean that the Packers team was kind of there to be had without Aaron Rodgers, and uh, you know the Chiefs only had 13 points. They didn't look, they didn't look good. They still don't look good. So I'm not sure this problem's going to get fixed. So I think if you're the Raiders, you go into this with a lot of confidence. You might even think you're the better team, and you, you might be the better team. I think you mentioned the offense will probably be back in, in stride next weekend, and. I think you know, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe give them two big-time pass rushers who are going to give them a home's trouble. That's something they haven't had mm-hmm. in the past. Two guys on, on both sides who can really uh, get some pressure going. And, and the run defense is not great, but, again, the Chiefs can't run the ball. So I just think it's a good matchup for the Raiders. I'm sure they'll be fired up uh, coming back you know, at home. And what's really um, a, a huge game kind of determines the way the rest of their season lays out so a little bit. All right, that's Vic Tafer, Las Vegas Raiders beat writer here at The Athletic. You can get him on Twitter at Vic Tafer. Also, of course, Raiders fans, you probably already know this, but just to make sure, State of the Nation, our Raiders podcast at The Athletic. And you can also catch Vic every Friday right here in this feed talking gambling with me and Zach Jackson. Vic, anything early catching your eye? Not really. I'm still kind of reeling from last week. A lot of, uh, a lot of shocking games last oh week. Oh, my God, games yeah. We have like, no idea what the hell we'll be talking about and Thinking you know an edge, but uh, I, I'll say you know, like I mentioned, I think the Raiders are, 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 might be the best team on the field on, on Sunday night. So I think that could be a, a, a spot. We're plus two and a half, I think. So mm-hmm. that could be one that jumps out uh, right now. 
Yeah, but uh, over at BetMGM, plus two and a half, the Raiders are at home. Definitely don't mind taking a home dog, and a home dog that's been a good team uh, more often than not this uh, season. So that definitely could be one that we ultimately talk about. We've got about 48 hours, maybe a little less or so, uh, to sift through this week's slate and really take a look at everything before we nail anything down. So I know I'll be using at least some of those hours to do just that. Vic, thanks again for being with us on the Beat Writer edition of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, man. Take care. Vic Torinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's wrap things up on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast by opening up the Athletic Fantasy Sports Mailbag. Joining me to open up that mailbag is Brandon Funston. Funston, we've got some good questions today, man. You excited? Oh, I am very excited. I always get excited to reach into the mailbag and see what uh, our readers have to, to uh, ask us here. Let's uh, Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. We've got uh, another good mix of uh, questions from Twitter, questions from the actual email address. That email address, if you want to get involved next week, tafantasysports at gmail.com. And of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter. We solicit for the questions, so we try to get the replies to that exact tweet. So just uh, look for that. You know, Always coming your way every Monday and Tuesday, as some of these people did here. Let's uh, start off with some of these Twitter questions. The first one, Funston. Comes to us from Theo. Theo's got a high-end wide receiver question. What's your rest-of-season ranking for CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs, and Justin Jefferson? This is amazing. I'm actually going through it. I told you this. I'm going through a rest-of-season rankings exercise uh, right now as we speak. And uh, amazingly, I have these three receivers back-to-back-to-back in my receiving ranks. But I do have Stephon Diggs one and... It's basically still because he's the highest volume receiver on a on a, a super pass heavy, um, you know, offense. The number one guy, and he, I, I believe, he might be in a per game basis third on this list so far. But he has more targets. It's not by a large margin. It's really basically a touchdown differential of one that's that's, that's pulling him down. I think we have to still look at him the rest of the way and, and say, I want to follow, follow you, follow the volume uh, for a guy that has Josh Allen throwing me the football and it's going to be throwing it to me a lot. So I'm still on Stefan Diggs at one. And then is it Jefferson CD or CD Jefferson? It's Jefferson CD. Yeah. But I really think these guys, you could, you can, you know, separate them with a razor, you know, basically with, a razor thin, uh, you know, width here. Yeah. With um, uh, what's his name? I uh, know he does the uh, Gene Steratore. Gene Steratore's index card. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, are you, uh, are you of like mind? Or are you a little bit different on this one? 
No, no, I'm of like mind. That's exactly the order that I would put them in also. And uh, for the reasons you said is why I would have Diggs up top. And, you know, I, you know, this was the order I had them in, not back to back to back, but this is the order I had them in coming into the season. Diggs was my top of these three, Jefferson two, CD three. And I don't think anything we've seen this season should dissuade us from, you know, going away from that ranking if that's the way you were coming into the year. And I would say, you know, Justin Jefferson, we, you and I talked about this with Jake on the Monday episode of this show it's disappointing when Justin Jefferson has nine targets over two weeks. That's obviously not what we expect. We want Justin Jefferson to be getting nine targets a game, but he's doing what great receivers do, even with that short amount of targets, scoring touchdowns in both of these games. And uh, in the loss to the Ravens, right, he only had five targets, but he turned that into three catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. I and mean, that's what you want out of the great receiver. That's what makes the great ones great, is that even when they're not getting a ton of work, they're still giving you that high-end production. And so... I still feel very yep. confident in each of these guys. I, out of curiosity, you say you have them, you know, one, two, three, Diggs, Jefferson, CD, but where do they sit in your full-on wide receiver rankings? Uh eight, nine, ten. Um, if we, if I'm just quickly give you the rundown, I'm Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel, Diggs, Jefferson, Lamb. All right. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that feels I mean, totally I, fair. Totally yeah, fair I mean, for, for each of those guys. And I honestly, you could, you could, I think you could push Debo Samuel into this group and say that they're, they're all very close as well. Um, so yeah, it's, they're, they're still rock solid wide receiver ones across the board, right in that middle area there. All right. Well, since you mentioned Debo Samuel and potentially pushing him into this group and out of where you have him, that has a little something to do or would have something to do with the return, of course, of George Kittle and the resurgence of Brandon Ayuk. And Zach Kay has an email question for us on Brandon Ayuk. Basically, are you back in on Brandon Ayuk? Well, I, you know, how far back in? Um, my rest of the season ranking, I think I have him right around wide receiver 40. You know, when I was ranking going into the season, I had him right around the mid-20s. Um, and kind of him and Debo both right in that mid-20s area. Debo's moved up. And while I, you know, I had I had buried Ayuk to the point where I'd cut him in a 12-team league, I, I now think he's viable in 12-team leagues again. Um, George Kittle certainly in a weird way sort of helps, you know, um, and just kind of getting that whole unit. But this is a San Francisco team that wants to run the ball that has now three legit options. And Ayuk is the third of those options in the passing game. So um, I'm not, you know, all the way back in Ayuk as a borderline wide receiver two, upper end wide receiver three. I think he's more of a back end wide receiver three or top end wide receiver four. Yeah, we're pretty much on the same page here. I'm back in and I uke to the extent that if he's available in my leagues, I'm definitely trying to get him. I'm definitely putting the claim mm -hmm. in for Brandon Ayuk in any league I'm in where he's available, and I would be comfortable starting him, you know, depending on rest of my roster, buys, injuries, whatever. I think he's definitely back in that discussion, but I don't think he'll ever be back in the discussion that we were having around him coming into the season where we did think he was, you know, potentially a top 20 wide receiver and certainly a wide receiver too. I don't know if he'll ever get back to that stage this season, but he is back in our lives as a legitimate, not only someone should be on your roster, roster but potentially a fantasy starter as well let's go back to a question from twitter this one from hunter on twitter hunter is a concerned jalen hurts manager funston and he is looking for some late season qb stashes just in case hurts ends up getting benched anyone that comes to mind for you yeah you're not going to get rich on this one but stashing somebody you know i i think 
everybody's weirdly just kind of waited with bated breath for Trey Lance to get his opportunities. I'm not as excited about that. He's probably not as available as somebody like a Mac Jones or even a Trevor Lawrence at this point. But if you look at the end of the season schedules, their schedules are pretty friendly. And in the case of Mac Jones, I think the, you know, the, the arc is is going in the right direction like his he's kind of getting you know more more and more solidified as an NFL starter each passing week so by the end of the season he could be comfortably throwing you know mid 200 yards and two touchdowns on a regular basis week in and week out so uh, other than you know going going for a try to get rich uh almost kind of Jalen Hurts like replacement and Taysom Hill if he's out mm-hmm. there uh, I think Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence is just kind of probably the best you can do in a competitive league. I'll throw one more guy out there, Funston, and you know who exactly who it's going to be. Justin Fields. Justin Fields not losing oh, yeah. a job in Chicago. We have seen a couple of nice games from him, and uh, that really that second half against Pittsburgh, I wouldn't be surprised if we, at the end of the season, look back at that second half against Pittsburgh and point to it as you know, Justin Fields something clicking for him in the NFL because he really, I mean, some of those plays he made uh, with his legs were great. Those two throws uh, that put the Bears ahead, the first, the throw to Allen Robinson down the right sideline, and then the throw to Darnell Mooney, uh, just a lot of intuitive uh, intuition in that throw and knowing that if I make this throw to this spot, it's going to be a touchdown or an incomplete pass, rolling left against his body, making that throw. It feels like something clicked for Justin Fields in that second half, and so I think that he's someone, too, who could be a really nice fantasy play down the stretch and also has that Jalen Hurts ability in terms of uh, running the ball as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of from being completely abysmal to just taking little incremental steps, and I think he finally took a a fairly – Fairly big step in his NFL career against Pittsburgh, you know, on the road. That's a good defense. Um, lots of pressure. So the numbers he put up, you got to be encouraged about that. He's running now where he was reticent to do that early in the year. You know, we're seeing 30 to 50 yards now is starting to become a little bit more of a regular thing. And that's always the cherry on top for fantasy quarterbacks. All right, we got two more questions that I want to get to quickly here. Funston Carl's got one for us in the email inbox. Again, Sports at gmail.com. Carl asks, what does a James Conner sell high look like? Which I interpret to mean like, if you're going to sell him high, what are you going to sell him for right now? We know that Chase Edmonds is going to be out three to four weeks with that high ankle sprain. Yeah, and that's that's kind of, you know, if, <laughs> I always leave uh, turn to Virginia Zakis, who inside injuries writes our injury columns. In three to four weeks, I guarantee you, she wouldn't say a high ankle sprain is a quick three to four week turnaround. That's, you know, typically I can hear her voice or her words in my head <laughs> saying that's a six, six week injury. So I think, you know, even assuming that Edmonds is back in a month is maybe on the wishful thinking side of things. So for all intents and purposes, I think that makes James Conner a sort of a bell cow for most of the rest of the season. And if that's the case, I think you have to turn, you know, look at him as a top 15 RB and selling high is selling him as, you know, a, an RB one level of of value. And if that's the case, um, you know, I think you're, you're talking about those receivers that we talked about earlier, like a Stefan Diggs, a Justin Jefferson, a CD lamb. I think that's in play. That's, you know, that's considered selling high. Um, uh, you know, a, 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 the very top end tight end uh, might not even be enough. You know, I, I think you could do it for. I think you could you could make the case that you want Travis Kelsey for James Conner if that's what you want to do. If if you have the luxury of just trading him away because you have lots of running back depth, right. and I guess that's possible, right? I mean, we we were drafting 
if whoever drafted James Conner likely drafted him as their RB4, maybe if they went super RB heavy, their RB5. And so if you got fortunate over those first few, you know, rounds, maybe you took like, I don't know, Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler at the turn, and then maybe you got DeAndre Swift, and then you got um, James Conner. I could see making that sort of deal, but I would have to be flush at running back and very, very confident in those guys going forward to want to deal James Conner for a non-running back just because he does have the feeling of being a back-end RB1 for at least three to four weeks. And if uh, Virginia's inclination is right, maybe even longer than that. So uh, this is a, a good problem to have, Carl K., on, uh, in our email inbox. Maybe not something that you actually want to do. One more question. This one coming to us from Corey. And Corey's asking about Odell Beckham. We know that today's the day for teams to claim Odell Beckham on waivers. Don't think that's going to happen. If we're holding on to Odell Beckham, as Corey is, where does he want him to land? Where do you want to see Odell Beckham for his fantasy purposes? Um, you know, there's been rumors that Seattle is, you know, one of the leading contenders. I don't think that would be terrible. You know, they, they want to kind of, you know, if you want to get to that Rams offense and think about the days of Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, um, you know, maybe it gets to there. New Orleans allows him to go in and be the automatic number one. I don't know that the passing environment's all that great. I'd rather honestly see Taysom Hill throwing the ball uh, to Odell Beckham than Trevor Simeon. And maybe he could put up something, you know, along the lines of what we saw Michael Thomas do last year with Taysom Hill. But, um, yeah, you know, another weird one, maybe, and I don't know if it had ever come through, but I wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball in Washington. Uh-huh. You know, there's a there's a clear need for a number two there. If we can get Fitzpatrick back just gunslinging, uh, I can see that working out pretty well for Odell. I love that these are the teams you bring up, Funston, because you have no way of knowing this, but uh, two of the people who were on this show before you, Ben Standick covering the Washington football team, Cat Terrell covering the New Orleans Saints, and so maybe uh, one of them ends up covering OBJ. I got to say, uh, I am holding on to OBJ in some leagues, and the Saints, you know, even with that uncertain quarterback position, uh, just, I mean, he, talk about a team where he just steps in and immediately could be a target monster. Uh, that's that's one that it feels realistic, too, with where they are in the NFC playoff race and the clear, obvious need for a uh, receiver. And, hey, OBJ, plenty of uh, New Orleans ties, hometown and LSU and all that. So uh, it just feels like a a spot that could really, really work out for him from a fantasy perspective. So in a league where I'm holding on to OBJ, I could definitely pull for the Saints being the team that ultimately gets him. And uh, someone's going to get him. We should uh, have some resolution on that. Maybe not uh, before the waiver deadline passes, but after that, have to imagine that uh, OBJ won't take too long to find a new home. And it will do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Our thanks to all the beat writers for joining us, Ben, Cat, and of course, Vic Tafer as well. For Brandon Funston, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Have a great day. See ya. Thank you.